woke up an optimist. Sun was shining, I'm positive. Then I heard you was talking trash. Hold me back, I'm about to spaz. Yeah, I'm about four or five seconds from Wiley. And we got three more days till Friday. I'm trying to make it back home by Monday morning. I swear I wish somebody would drive. Oh, that's all I want. And I know that I'm tonight. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And welcome to Draft Week. We are here. We've previewed uh, over 100 players. We're going to get ready to learn about some new ones this week. It is Draft Week, Justin. Hey, how you doing? And we got to talk about Kadarius Tony trade rumors, which I wasn't really looking forward to, but we have to do it. Yeah, um, this is a weird kind of app because I'm super, super excited for <laughs> it's, it's Draft Week, you know, the week that... You know, we've been working basically, you know, this entire 2022. Hey, take out the the two or three, four-week period where we're looking for a head coach and GM. But, I mean, this kind of started uh, a few weeks before the Senior Bowl, right? You know, when we're doing that prep and then we go to Alabama. Um, and now we're here. It's so it is kind of clouded by Kadarius Toney and his status being up in the air as a New York football giant. But I'm excited to see you. I think uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll be seeing each other. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, when you listen to this, I will, I will be in, or no, the day after you're listening to this, I'll be in New York. So we're going to talk about offensive tackles. We saved the most important position for last, um, and it's a position I know the most, so it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, but we're going to start off with this Kadarius Tony stuff. So we actually didn't hit much on it on the podcast last week about him missing um, the the voluntary minicamp. So Pat Leonard comes out Friday night with a report that the Giants are shopping Kadarius Tony. So I actually asked around and tried to figure out, like, get to the bottom of this. So I've got a couple things. This is an exclusive. I haven't seen anyone else put this out. Maybe somebody else said it um, by the time this podcast out. Kadarius Tony came to New York on Saturday. Now I oh. don't know if it was meeting with the coaching staff. You can you know put two and two together, but he did get to New York, New Jersey area on Saturday. Um, so there's that. The Giants, I think shopping is the wrong word. I think Pat Leonard was very wrong in making it. He made it out to be like the Giants are just looking to move on from Kadarius Tony. For but they are listening to trade offers and they are frustrated with Kadarius Tony. Like that's that part is real. Like if they get the right offer, they'll they'll take it. Like but they but they 100 are frustrated with Kadarius Tony right now, Justin. But there's there is a simple fix to this. The Giants don't trade Kadarius Tony, and please let this be a wake up call for Tony to just get. You don't even need to be more mature, but just take the Giants more seriously. Like that's the simple fix to all this, Justin. Yeah, um, show up, <laughs> show up, and be a part of stuff. And you know, hey, you know, you go back, and yes, there's stuff that's out of his control, but at the end of the day, show up and be more about it. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're not in the building. We don't know everything that's going on. But clearly, the dedication level of where the Giants want Kadarius Tony to be at football-wise and where Kadarius Tony actually is, there is a disconnect there. Like, it, it's clear. You can be a, you can be a KT stan. Like, I think 
I think we are. We are Kadarius Tony supporters, but you could be an absolute stan or you could be a hater and you could have the, the shades of Odell, right? You could be on either side, but it is clear that there is a disconnect from what the team wants him to be and then where he actually is right now. That's the reality. Yeah, and it goes back to last year missing the OTAs. Um, you know, we we love like it's fun to talk, you know, talk about him punching a cowboy, but like dumb stuff like that. And something that gets left out of this is when you pair it, he has real injury concerns. Like he had he had like injuries to I think six different body parts last year. You know, like so some serious injury issues paired with like you don't know how dedicated he is. And again, you can People brought up, oh, it's voluntary, it's voluntary. The one, this is a lot, this is about a lot more than just voluntary workouts. Um, but this yeah, is the about Giants him. are not like, again, not shopping. The Giants are not taking calls on Kadarius Tony because he missed a voluntary workout. This is like, that was not the, the camel. That was not, it's part of it, but it's not the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, there had to be things going on heading back, heading back to last year that this is a thing that is kind of stewing. Yeah, I mean, I actually view it as, as the it is the straw that broke the camel's back. Like it's been this little stuff, the injuries, and then then it's like okay, new staff, new regime, and you just don't show up. And there wasn't good communication. You know, he didn't pick up. He wasn't able to get a playbook. And again, you don't just read a playbook like a novel. It is installed. It is taught. You know, so the idea that like oh, they just gave him the playbook and he can study it down in Florida. No, uh, he got he's gotten bad advice from trainers and coaches who you know people in his life telling him to that he doesn't need to go and do that type of stuff. And he has been frustrating for the new coaching staff. Like it is as simple as that. And they didn't draft him. You know, Joe Shane didn't draft him. Brian Dable didn't, you know, bang on the table at the senior bowl asking for Gadarius Tony. So, you know, I, where I'm at right now is I hope he's not traded. But if the Giants do trade Kadarius Tony, which I do not think is going to happen, uh, I would not bet on that. But you couldn't help but not understand it with the way things are going. And again, this is all the stuff we see on the outside. There's always more to the story yep. that is hidden. That is hidden from the public with players. Okay, there's a a lot, and there's players that you might look at as like, oh, clean cut, perfect guy, and behind the scenes is like, no, this guy doesn't buy in. He doesn't work hard, um, you know. But they handle the media well, and they post workouts on social media and stuff. Um, but Kadarius Tony hasn't bought into being a New York Giant, and that's a fact. You you worded it perfectly. Where. I would be extremely disappointed and, <laughs> and depressed if Kadarius Tony was traded, but also it is something that is extremely, extremely understandable. Now, the more that uh, um, the more that people come out and defend Kadarius Tony on Kadarius on Kadarius Tony's kind of team, whether that whether that's Coach Steph Brown, um, whether that's uh Danny Hustleboy. Danny, come on, dude. Uh, who is this guy? This is not good. This Danny Boy Hustlehard. Danny Boy Danny Hustlehard. Hustle Hard. His, That's his, so disrespectful. His driver, um, who has a shady past, by the way. Don't um, no. We we are a pro Danny Boy Hustlehard podcast. Do not slander Danny Boy Hustlehard. He is the goat. But the more that people on his team come out and defend him, I think the worse it looks. Danny Boy is Danny Boy. That's not a Kadarius Tony guy. Danny Boy is just Danny Boy is his own person. He's not a Kadarius Tony guy. He's an essentially a New York Giant guy. Um, but Steph Brown has been kind of quiet since it happened, besides reposting it. But yeah, it's Kadarius Tony's immature. 
Okay, and and let's be let's be quite honest. He's not the smartest guy in the world. I actually do like a lot about his personality. Um, you know, and people compare him to Odell. I think they're totally different personalities. Um, but at the same time, they're totally different players at this point too. And Kadarius Tony can and kind of is good. The issue is staying on the field. Whenever he's been on the field, he's been a good player. Yeah. Um, you know, and he should be like he can't. He could be the focal point of this offense. To, like the. You know, the straw that stirs the drink for this offense. Like, he has that ability, and he's shown that to a point. Um, but, again, you have to buy in. And and he's a player who needs work in some parts of his game, too. You know, it's not like this. Again, this isn't like Odell headaches where he's working. But he's like, Odell, there's no doubt he worked his ass off. This is, like, this is questions of dedication with Kadarius Tony. All right, so hopefully this is a Pat Leonard coming out that Brian Flores is the favorite for the Giants job 24 hours before Brian Dable takes the Giants job to get to put pressure on Brian Dable to take the Giants job. Hopefully this My is guess one of those situations. Is that Leonard heard from like another team that they got a call, you know, there was calls about Tony and took that and was like, "Okay, they are actively shopping him." Um you know, I, that's what that was is what my guess yeah. would be. Yeah, I don't um, have a big be, reaction to this. Gun to my head, Kadarius Tony is a giant this year. Yes, I, I, I firm unless there's another incident. Um, but again, I bet now we don't have any voluntary OTAs until I think June. Um, when's the so mandatory? It's in June, like late June. Okay. Um, so I don't. But if he, if he, like, but I think hopefully this was kind of a wake up call for Kadarius Tony. Hopefully. All right, Justin, before we get into these offensive tackles, which is what we want to talk about, this episode was brought to you by Jason LaPree, 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 eh, LaPree, Jason, and then Alvin Maley. I need to mail some stickers to some of our Patreons, but I don't have any stickers, so I had to order some new ones. So if you haven't gotten yours yet, don't worry, it's going to come. Well, that's one of the perks of being a Patreon member is that Bobby Skinner will send you some, he'll, he'll mail some stickers and magnets in the mail to you. Plus, twice a month you have an opportunity to win some shirts and you get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Hey, we're going to be going pretty late. We're going to be going pretty late. Night one reaction or even, you know, hey, after day three on Sunday, we're going to be having our, you know, just our reaction to the overall draft as a whole. You're going to want to be there and hang out with us when we're recording live and chat with us. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thanks for our patrons. All right, let's get into the offensive tackles. And I want to be a little more conversational with these guys, especially at the top. So I'm going to go kind of quickly through Evan Neal and Akim Aquanu, and then we could talk about them. So, oh, so Giants it- fans know who, I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, we have a very smart and intelligent base that follows us, Bobby Skinner. I can imagine if you're a Giants fan and you're sick and tired of this offensive line being broken, um, and you're sick and tired of this offense not being explosive, um, you know, you, you have been looking at these offensive tackles for a couple months now, so... Let's talk, Bobby. Okay, so the offensive tackle one debate is between Evan Neal and Akim Kwanu and no one else. I will say that flat out as we go into it. And again, this spot, this right tackle spot is a, it is the biggest need on the New York Giants. You know, like I am desperately hoping that one of these guys is a New York Giant. One of these two. I don't want anyone else. I want these, one of these two guys to be a New York Giant come Friday morning. And so we'll start with Evan Neal, who's been like the consensus top guy going into this, and then we'll talk about how we rate these guys. Evan Neal, obviously from out of Alabama, six foot seven, three hundred thirty-seven pounds, just a beautiful frame. Three-year starter at Justin. At people, at, people forget that he started at left guard. 
And then he started right tackling this past year, left tackle. So he's moved around. And I think that needs to be a part of the discussion with Evan Neal, too. It's like, don't forget, he hasn't started the same spot in two consecutive years since yeah. high school. For his frame, his his athleticism is really good. And then his overall strength just shows up throughout his game, whether it's in the pass game or in the run game. The one thing of uh, weakness, you could say, is his balance isn't great, especially in the run game. As a pass protector, he is the best pass blocker in this draft, and he is the most polished. Uh, he is an extreme, like, he is a much more pa- polished pass blocker than Charles Cross, who we will get into. He stays square. His feet are very smooth in his pass sets. Sometimes can open up a little bit, but overall pretty good. Um, he gets good depth. He gets good hand placement. Uh, and his punch, like, is real, his hand placement and punch is the best out of this entire class. There's times where he can lunge a little bit, which will lead him, you know, vulnerable to inside counters. But those times are very rare when you see them. Like, I think he can be a little better versus those inside counters. And when his hands are on, guys, uh, he grips on and the hand, like, he, he knows how to work his hands. Like, his hand, that stuff is real. He just locks on the guys. I think he's a high IQ player picking stuff up in the run game. His strength is great. Oh, oh, and again, in the past game, uh, he's never going to be a victim to the bull rush. Never. Like, he'll lose a little ground, but he's never going to lose a lot of ground or or just get bullied uh, as a bullish. Or at least he didn't in the college game. In the run game, I think he needs to get quicker in his get-off. Uh, his, his first two steps can be kind of good, but then they stop on contact. But again, he has that ability to roll his hips through and get good movement. Um, and then when he does, you know, when his punch lands well with good placement, it brings power and he just resets the edge. Uh, but he can get top, again, get top-heavy and lean on guys and lose balance or get shed inside. So you'll see some ugly, ugly reps from Evan Neal in the run game. Should I go straight into Kim Aquanu? No, I have uh, I have some questions on Evan Neal as a player, and then we'll talk about Aquanu, and then we'll compare the two. Um, his feet getting too skinny in the run game, right? Where, you know, hey, his first two steps are, are, are kind of good out of his stance, but then he brings his feet too tight, um, and he plays a little too high overall, right? Um, how much uh like how can that issue be fixed in the nfl is it going to take time is it a quick fix what's your take on that i think stability at playing at one spot now again with the giants who are moving back to right tackle is something um in fact he actually looked better at right tackle in the run game than he did at left tackle when you watch he was a he was pushing aziz out of out of frame um, oh yeah there were times where he just dominated aziz ojalari um and that didn't happen a lot it's just about it's about you know getting you know He's just teaching, like, roll your feet through the block. Don't stop your feet on contact and keep them wide because what happens is he gets, you know, you know, step one, step two, lands, and then the feet stop on contact. Well, now you're kind of, you know, you're you're at a stalemate and your feet are getting skinny, you know, you're churning. Uh, and, again, he's big. He's big, so his pad level is going to be a little higher than most guys. And something that I found, he's very, very good at winning at the point of attack. This is whether it's at, you know, as a run blocker or also in, in pass pro. If he's not winning at the point of attack, what do his reps look like? Like basically if his hands aren't at a point where he can clamp down, mirror, do whatever he needs to do, what does he look like? And is he consistent enough in that area to fully, to always recover, to replant his hands, et cetera, et cetera. Cause that's what something I saw in your film breakdown where there were some questions of he, if he wasn't winning at that point, reps can look inconsistent. Yeah, there's times like, you know, when you look at versus Trayvon Walker, where Trayvon Walker would land those hands and kind of get a little pushback. But again, like he's just got such good core strength that even that, that pushback compared to other guys is nothing. Um, and I think he does have, you know, he needs to, you know, work his hand fight a little better. 
But like that doesn't show up a lot. Like I think he's going to come in and be a really good pass blocker in the NFL day one. I think there's a difference between physical and aggressive player. Is Evan Neal an aggressive player? He's certainly a physical player, but is he an aggressive player? Aquanu is an aggressive player. Tyler no. Smith is an aggressive player. And do you think him not being an aggressive player, is that going to hurt him at all or no? I do think it hurts him when you talk about the conversation between offensive tackle for OT1, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you you want to see a little more nastiness at times, especially in the run game. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my biggest critique of his. And one more question. Does Evan Neal's weight concern you at all? No, he handles it. I mean, it's 337 pounds. I mean, that's that's pretty normal, especially for the six foot seven frame. Um, I, that doesn't concern me even one bit. All right. All right, next, Akem Ekwanu, offensive tackle from NC State, North Carolina State. Six foot four, 310 pounds, 34-inch arms. Three-year starter at, at NC State, and he is extremely, extremely athletic and agile, and it just shows up, especially in the run game. Like, he moves amazing, whether you're wide zone, pulling, getting to the second level. And he's and strength-wise, he's just a mauler with a nasty, nasty punch that stuns guys, whether it's in the run in the pass. Um, good balance. He's rarely on, on the ground. Um, I actually think he has pretty good hand placement with his punch. And again, that punch is just devastating to move defenders like he delivers knockout blows and then you work him to the second level like those knockout blows show up in the past just in footwork in the past game and the run game it needs a lot of work like his feet in the run get very sloppy and there's crossover which leads to him not sustaining blocks um in the pass pro his feet click and it makes him really vulnerable to inside counters and his punch on top of that is much like andrew thomas at it lunges and he overextends and it leads him, it makes him vulnerable. Um, whether, you know, to guys being able to, you know, whether, you know, get that outside shoulder and get around the corner or working him inside or just, you know, working those, you know, working his hands against us, him. That being said, with that fe- footwork, the hands, like he shows great recoverability despite those things. And that's what gives you hope and what makes you love a Kim Aquano because it's like, uh, like he has like some real issues, but those issues are some of the more fixable ones that you do see at the NFL level. Um, and we're, we're like, hey, you know, tone it down a little bit instead of like, hey, be a little more aggressive. Get to, you know, punch, punch. When he has locked on, it's it's over as a, at, in the past game. And he's got great ability to mirror guys. And his strength is A+. plus. I've never seen him suffer from a bull rush. Never. Like, there's never been, there hasn't been one rep where I saw like, oh, man, he got bull rushed. Um, that being said, man, you watch Jermaine Johnson. If you go watch the breakdown, those, Jermaine Johnson won that battle. Okay, like, you know, there was a couple ugly, there was two very ugly reps. And then other ones where it's like, yeah, did this Jermaine Johnson pressure the QB? It's like, no, but Jermaine Johnson finished this rep better than a Kim Aquanu finished it. Lance Zerline, uh, hit the, one of the first sentences in his write-up on NFL.com is, a gentleman in class and killer on the grass, which I love that. I love when things rhyme. Um, he, yeah, he like he plays nasty. And he, I mean, there's plays where it's like you, you just murdered this guy on the football field. You get more excited for a Kemakwanu than Evan Neal, and I can hear it. By the way, I heard it in your breakdown because I edit all your breakdowns, and I heard your voice throughout the entire thing. It was very much more excited for a Kemakwanu versus Evan Neal. Well, let's talk about it. And I have went back and forth on offensive tackle one and two. Uh, and what I did to land at who I want at OT1 and OT2 is went to past experiences. And I went back to the 2020 draft class. 
And honestly, Andrew Thomas is what is going to make me say Akema Kwanu is offensive tackle one. Evan Neal is a more consistent player. He's more pro-ready. As a pass blocker, he's going to have a better rookie year than Akema Kwanu. Like, flat out, we'll have a better rookie year than Akema Kwanu. That's a guarantee. But Akwanu has a higher ceiling. Not a much higher ceiling because Evan Neal is going to be, I think he has the ability to be a great player. But Akema Kwanu does have a higher ceiling. Um, just the way he moves, the way he's able to move guys in the run game. And the things that he needs to fix are fixable. Similar to Andrew Thomas, where it's like getting that punch, leading that punch. Now, his footwork isn't as good as Andrew Thomas's was coming out, but Andrew Thomas's footwork did need help. So he's got to get at that right tackle spot, work, you know, work with Bobby Johnson to fix that footwork and fix that punch. And I think that stuff is not easily fixed. You've got to put in the work. Like, there's no doubt you got to put in the work. But that's what lands me with the quantity of offensive tackle one. Because I see the higher ceiling and I see the room for growth. Because there's guys where it's like, oh, they can grow. You know, but it's like, is this an area that's going to necessarily get better at the next level? And a lot of times it's not. So I kind of went back to the whole, you know, uh, Andrew Thomas versus Jedrick Wills. You know, where it's like Jedrick Wills was much more polished. But it's like Thomas got... Thomas had much better results in college than Aquanu, but it's like Tom, Thomas had good results and room to grow. So that's, I'm kind of like going back to that past experience, but okay, will Evan Neal have a better rookie year? Yes, I do think so. But I think Aquanu is going to grow into that better player. I think the difference between the top two tackles this year versus the top two tackles in 2020, I think these guys are a lot stronger. Especially their Aquanu and Neal are both stronger than Jedrick Wills. Um, yes, definitely better than Wills. So th- I think that's the difference there. Aqu- what it comes down to, uh, Aquanu makes you more excited because I think Aquanu has those plays where it's like, holy shit, he's leveling this guy. And Evan Neal doesn't have those plays where it's like, holy shit, look at how he's leveling this guy. You know, it, it, it it's similar to the Wills and Thomas discussion in the in the realm that Wills is so polished, Neal is so polished, and Aquanu can grow. Thomas can grow. So that's the way that it's similar, but still, I mean, both of the with both of these guys being so strong, you can bet on both of these guys. So I don't know. I I, I went Wills in 2020. I, I kind of learned and, and, and grew from that. I get more excited for Aquanu, but I think if you had to put a gun to my head, it would be Neil OT1 for me. Because both of those, they they are both so similar in their strength profile. I, I have went back and forth on this a million times. You know, because like if you're at, if you say, hey, we need someone to protect the pass or the mall, Evan Neal's that guy. And it came who has some ugly reps as a pass blocker, you know, and it wasn't just first Jermaine Johnson. You know, he gave a sack in that game that was really ugly. But I think putting him at right tackle, which, you know, your your flaws could be hidden a little bit just because, it's a, you know, you're not protecting the blind side. I think that gives him some confidence to grow. I just I'm betting on a Quanu getting better than Neal. But, yeah, it, it's a t- it's a tough uh, it's a tough decision. Like I went back and forth on this. Like I really struggled on who to make offensive tackle one for me. And frankly, I, at least for me, uh, I don't feel like I need to as a as a fan, and even just as you know, sitting behind this microphone, I really don't feel the need. I need to make that distinction because what it's going to come down to, if the Giants are picking at five and both of them on the board, which they probably won't be, right? But the Giants are making their big board. Who is ahead of the other one? It's going to come down to, in their pre-draft evaluation process, who do they feel is going to work harder and get better? Bottom line, that that's who's number one. 
If I feel Evan Neal is going to work harder and get better at it, then Evan Neal's number one. If I feel Akemikwanu is going to work past some of his struggles and get better, then Akemikwanu's number one. Like, really, that it's a the 50-50 coin toss that is who is going to work harder and rise above what you know what they're what they kind of struggle with that's what it is going to be for me and we don't have that information and i only like at five or seven we have to come away with one of these two guys we have to now if they go top four it's an issue but uh, to me you have to come away with one of these two guys and two guys only. we're going to talk about charles cross next i don't want to come away from five and seven with charles cross i want neil or icky i am going to have an anxiety attack if the Giants do if the Giants do not walk away with the tackle night one. That's the biggest fear. I mean, that that frankly, that is why I'm nervous for five and seven. That is why I'm nervous for five and seven. Because uh if if you grab one of these two guys, I kind of automatically feel better and okay with whatever happens at seven, you know? Um, but it's if we don't walk away with one of these two guys after even after just pick five, let alone pick picks five and seven. Um the anxiety level will rise on stream and everybody will be witnesses to that. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest position in need. It's the only position they just flat out didn't address in free agency at all. Besides Mac on it, which is not addressing it. No. All right. Next on this list is a player of, of a lot of debate and that's Charles cross out of Mississippi state, six foot five, 307 pounds, two year start at Mississippi state in their air raid offense. Justin, he's got really good athleticism and it led to really good results in the sec. You know, so the athleticism is his best attribute, is his athleticism. That being said, I do think he lacks the ideal strength, but the core of his strength is good. Like, he may not have the greatest punch, he may not have the best lower body to really go through guys, but in pass pro, he's got a good core of strength. Um, and then, like, balance-wise, he's good, he's, and he's got, like, quick foot speed, not top-heavy at all. Like, he's, he's got good balance. Let's talk about him as a pass blocker who has been proclaimed the most polished pass blocker and it pisses me off every time because you're looking at PFF data and you're not watching the film of Charles Cross. Maybe you already disagree with me, but I disagree with you vehemently if you think that he is the most polished pass blocker in this draft. He's not a more pass polished pass blocker than Evan Neal. I think right now he'd probably be a better pass blocker than Aquanu, but Aquanu can be a better pass blocker than Charles Cross and I, I think he will be at the end of the day. His patience is his friend and his enemy in pass pro. His punch is very late, and when he does land it, the power is lacking. His hand placement is low and outside. His hand strength is good, so once he locks onto guys, he does stay connected. But he really struggles with the bull rush and loses big ground on it. Now, he utilizes the hop step, but he gives up ground when you do that. Okay, like versus the bull rush, he he is never the first one to punch. The punch is always brought to him, and that always worries me about a guy, especially someone who played in the air raid with these wide splits that have them farther away from the QB and give it tougher angles to get to the quarterback for pass rushes. That that worries me, like seriously worries me with Charles Cross, okay, because he gets pushed back, and if you put him in regular splits, he would have been in the quarterback's lap a lot more, and he'd had a lot more pressures accredited to him. Okay, he, I, I, and that's why with versus Quanu versus Cross, it's like. I don't, I'd rather take the guy who's punch happy and get him to to rein it in than the guy who doesn't punch and teach him how to punch. Like that seriously, seriously worries me. In the passing, he doesn't stay square after the second step and he gives up the edge. But again, those wide splits, like he can get worked on outside move outs and and worked on the outside, the edge. Again, they play in that air raid offense. The QB's stepping up. Um, 
And again, he like to watch Sam Williams of old miss first him. He worked him outside in. Okay. He opened that gate. He opened that hip of Charles Cross and worked outside in. Yeah. Okay, and Charles and, Cross opens up his hips like every rep. Every, almost every single rep. After that, after that second step or after slash during that second step, his hips open up every single rep. And when your splits are so wide like that, I don't know why more pass rushers didn't work the, their their way back inside more often. Because when you're lining up so far away from the left guard and you open up your hips, that's inviting you to go into that lane. Yeah. Um, a lot of coaches want their guys to stay disciplined on the edge. Um, where Ole Miss was like, Sam Williams, do what you got to do. And Sam Williams is a hell of a freaking talent. Well, it worked. I mean, it worked for him. That being said, that can be fixed. That that you know the footwork part of it, and his foot speed and mirror ability really is beautiful. Like that's it. That's like you know the athleticism shows up in his feet. Like his foot speed, his ability to mirrors guys. It's really good, and he stays connected. Like he really does stay well connected to players. Um, and again, it leads to. I don't think he's the like has the quickest recovery like IQ wise, but the foot speed leads to really good recovery reps. I think this he plays with a skinny stance, and I think it leads to some high pad level time in the run game. People see people knock him a lot in the run game. I don't knock him as much as other people in the run game. They just didn't run the ball a lot, and they didn't run the ball as a pro style. Like I think he's an adequate run blocker overall, but he doesn't drive through guys. But like the footwork is solid. Did you see the core strength? I actually think he's going to be become better as a run blocker in the NFL. So the thing it's. The thing that everyone praises him for is like I'm not as I like I don't get it, and the thing that everyone knocks him for, I actually think is better. But again, I don't think here's where it ends up. I don't think Charles Cross is in the Aquana versus Neil debate. I don't think he's a top ten tackle. And if there's a debate, to me it's Cross versus Penning. I think those guys are close. They're different, wow. but I think those guys are those. He's closer to Trevor Penning than he is those other two. I'll say that. First thing before I get into some of my thoughts. Like, he's PFF's darling, but what went wrong in 2020? Now, he's only been starting for two years. What went wrong in 2020? Got 700-plus reps, six sacks, five hits, 33 hurries. What went wrong there? <laughs> you know? I, I I didn't watch his 2020 tape. I'm sure Bobby didn't, and he got a lot better in 2021. But, you know, you're talking about Akemikwanu, who's been starting for a little bit. You're talking about Evan Neal, who's played three different positions the last three years, and he's played, you know, really, really well. Now, versus Charles Cross, why is nobody talking about making it a knock on him that he only had really one good year of production? It's also Yeah, I, I hadn't seen those numbers. I, we actually watched him in our way-too-early draft preview, where I was like late first, early second, which is where I still kind of see him. Um, But he, he looked like a pretty similar player. So maybe those were, you know, like we were talking about where it's like, you know, those bull rushes, those outside in moves were just landing quicker. Yeah. All right. So here's here's my thing with Cross, right? He's only an option if Neil Aquanu are off the board. Um, I will be very, very upset and I you know, I will be doubting uh you know, for first night big first big decision that this uh, new regime is going to make if Akem Aquanu or Evan Neal are on the board and they take Charles Cross ahead of them uh, that will be the first big red flag of this Joe Shane regime and I'm worried about it because they deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the quarterback they deserve the benefit of the doubt with maybe going a little bit of the unconventional player on defense we talked about that with Tremaine Ed Edwards right Edmonds Edwards Edmonds Edmonds 
Edmonds. We talked about that with Tremaine Edmonds, how he, you know, he was maybe a little bit unconventional interior linebacker first round. He's turned into you know, a really, really good football player for them. You also have Wink Martindale, who's now a part of this process too, where he's done marvelous things with, you know, football players, right? But if there's one spot that Joe Shane, Bobby Johnson, one spot that, you know, is questionable, it's how they've been able to build and coach up an offensive line. Charles Cross as a player, I feel like the first second to second and a half of Charles Cross is bad, and I feel like everything after that point is good to great. Would you agree with that? Yes, and that's why I struggled with it, and I put him above Penning as offensive tackle three, because I'm not betting, like, I won't bet on it like I'll bet a Kwanu, but he does have the ability to be, I won't say great, but a really good offensive tackle in the NFL. Like, I think he has that ability with the athleticism, the foot speed, the core strength. I do think he has that ability. You know, I'm just not betting on it necessarily. Now, I kind of view Charles Cross, and I think I'm forcing myself to do this because if he's a reality, if if he is the reality, I don't want to just be too, you know, gloom. I do view Charles Cross in a little bit of a Trishan Wirfs light. Trishan Wirfs taught me a lot of things. Watching him in 2020... I did not like his feet. You know, I think both of us really thought that he could be an NFL guard. And now here he is. He's an all-pro right tackle for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady, who has, you know, one of the best pocket awareness in NFL history, is his quarterback. But also, he is an all-pro. And, and, he, is really playing right, and he is playing right tackle. So, you know, uh, it's different than left tackle. But he's still a very, very good football player, right? I do view Charles Cross in a little bit of that light. Wirfs had issues with his feet. But he was explosive. Um, and he got really good results at, at Iowa. And Charles Cross is looking to make kind of that same move if he is a giant. He's going to make that same move to right tackle. Um, and I do think he could be the tackle that benefits the most out of not having vertical sets out of all the first three guys that we talked about. Yeah, I, I just listen. I just don't view him as a top 10 player at the end of the day. You know, and I don't want to reach because that even I know that need is huge, but I don't want to reach because that need is huge. Um, I think again, we have to do it. I think if they're both taken in the top four, a Kamaquano, Evan Neal, I think we have to do it. Why? Are we building for the future? I know. Why pass on a player that you can think is great on defense to get a guy who might be a really good offensive tackle, but might just be average? I know. It sucks. If you get a Tristan Wirfs, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, well, yeah. If you get a Tristan Wirfs, I don't think he's Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs has much better strength, much better better hand usage. Like Tristan Wirfs was in that top four range for good reason with those with that class, you know. And event and and it was either the best or the second best out of those. Whether you pick your poison with him or Andrew Thomas, um, you know. Um, but I just. The results don't match the film with Charles Cross. And again, it's a lot easier to get an aggressive player and get him to reel it in to get a guy who just doesn't punch, who stuffers versus the bull run. Like, like you're not going to be fa- like his best match. The best film he put up against like versus an NFL player was a Demarvin Leal, and I think Demarvin Leal sucks. Baseball fans, it's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at Stacks of Green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest. New customers can play free for thousands of prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. How about that? What's the more? Go find out at DraftKings. It's safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus, restrictions apply. MLB trade uh, marks used with permission. See show notes for details. Let's get into the next offensive tackle, and that's Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Six foot seven, 325 pounds. That's the frame you're looking for, boys and girls. Justin, he's a good athlete, but I think he's got, like, with very quick feet. Um, strength-wise, really good upper body strength that shows up with, like, an he, he plays nasty. Like, he's a mauler. He plays with a nasty demeanor, which we'll talk about this conversation with Trevor Penning. In the past game, his sets are very consistent, but he does open open the gate. And I think he gets, he just doesn't stay connected, and he l- doesn't finish the blocks you want. Um, you know, and sometimes that's him torquing guys through the ground and other times it's just him flat out losing. Like he just needs to stay connected and use better hand, uh, replacement, you know, like his, I think his punches is, is pretty strong, but like that hand, that outside hand needs work and he needs to keep the feet sliding over with it once like, cause he went with Trevor Penning. It's initial, like it's consistent. It's an initial win almost every time. And it just doesn't finish those. So that's going to lead to holding penalties. That's going to lead to him you know throwing guys to the ground and it's going to lead to him just flat out getting beat in the run game i think he's got good get off but his feet do stop on contact and he doesn't get that initial movement but his when when his hands land well they land outside but he's got that good torque ability you know so he has some really good run reps but he's not like this you know drive you back run uh run blocker and i think he just kind of gets out of the gates a little too fast like he needs to get he needs to like you know bring it in and, and cool, be a little more cool calm and collected uh and that shows up at the second level working on linebackers he has some really bad whiffs i think penning's a guy who is going to get better because again he does have that nasty demeanor uh justin but i just don't know where i'm comfortable taking trevor penning I, obviously not in the top you know five or seven but if they were in a trade back i don't know i i feel like there might be better players on the board but it's such a huge need and i do think he'll be a, at least a solid to good player yeah, I think there's a middle ground where the Trevor Penning disrespect goes a little too far, but also he doesn't deserve all the love that he was getting like right after the senior bowl. You know what I mean? I think there's a middle ground, you know? Yeah. There so he has you know the the reps where he's throwing guys to the ground, that pisses people off because there was time, like he threw someone like through the QB's legs at one point. And you can't be doing that. But I, I the national demeanor you love. He just needs to harness it and, and learn to use it better. Like, I yeah. love that about him. Um, and again, he's a guy who gained a lot of, like, he's new to football. You know, what was it? I think I saw he gained like 100 pounds in like two or three years at Northern yeah, Iowa. All, all in school, yeah. Which seems to be like a trend for Northern Iowa. Like, their recruiters just go find these skinny dudes and like, <laughs> you're going to be a good, you know, Ellerson Smith uh, uh, type. Um, so... I like Penning. Um, yeah, I, I like him too, and I and I know uh, I know especially how you can with fix where him. he's talked about right now. I know how you can fix him. I know exactly how you can fix him. I think a lot of his problems are fixed if he can lower his base and and stay lower in general. I think that's going to have to be the thing. If you're an NFL team, you're going to have to tell him. You know, you know, you know that uh, you know that drill where you know you're 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 kind of running or you're you know the you're shoots. driving you're driving your feet through uh, and there's like bars above your head. Yeah. 
it's you're running that, you're running that, you're running that, you're getting the muscle memory of staying low and not firing out of your stance high. You know, because Bobby, I think when you talk about, hey, you know, he fires out of stance, he doesn't drive immediately. And I think that comes with you, you need to get lower. Your your base needs to be lower. I think you can play a lot more under control, not so wild, while also keeping the aggression aspect of your game if you play low. And I think if he does play lower, there isn't always going to be a need to throw guys on the ground. There isn't a need to lean into them and to fall on them. Win the play, move on to the next play. You can be physically aggressive without those pancakes. And I think that's the that's the fine line with, with Trevor Penning. You can keep that aggression, but understand leverage and understand that football is a game where the lower man wins. Yeah, people that want to like lose his nastiness are, are, are no. like, honestly, they're annoying. Like, I love that demeanor about him. He just needs to harness it yeah. and figure out a way to not throw it through. Essentially, just not throwing it through your QB's legs. That's really the only thing that needs to be fixed in it. Yeah. Like, if he wants to push a guy's head into the ground afterwards and play dirty, I'm fine with that. But he just needs to, when he, because what happens is he gets, you know, one, two, three, his pass set, good start. And then that guy's able to push the corner and get to the QB. And instead of like trying to, you know, connect or use your hands, He's just torquing him and throwing him to the ground, and that's how you break guys' legs. Hell, that's how Billy Price. That's how Billy Price broke Nick Gates' leg. And he um, almost did it at the Senior Bowl with Ritter. He threw an Oklahoma defender uh, right into like Ritter's ankles, and he he almost had a major injury. So, um, sixteen penalties this past year. So when you're averaging o- over one penalty a game, uh, that's not good. I would love for him to go to a run-heavy team. Um, I don't know if the I don't know if the Titans need a tackle. You know, since Conklin left, um, the Seahawks possibly at 40. Um, hey, you know, hey, uh, go go take uh, Trevor Penning at 9, Seattle. Uh, go see how that works out for you, Pete Carroll, you psychopath. So um, I would love for him to go to like a, a run-heavy team because uh, I think he's definitely a lot better of a run blocker than pass blocker, and I think that could be the best way to maximize him as a pro. When we did watch him the Senior Bowl, I came away pretty impressed because it's like, okay, you're not going – you know, your best competition is in Iowa State now. Um, and he looked good down there. Like he was the, he looked like the best tackle down. He there. was the most fun player to watch in the Senior Bowl that entire week. Yeah, like it, and it was more than just those reps where he was throwing guys to the ground. Like he looked like the best tackle out there. Um, and I think that speaks well to like, okay, this guy's going to grow and get better. Yeah. Um, we'll have some growing pains, but I do think he'll grow. But I, I put him fourth because I just don't know if he has like the same foot speed as Charles Cross, athleticism. Um. And I, I think Charles Cross just has a higher ceiling than Tyler uh, Trevor Penning. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, next on this list, so I have offensive tackle five. Now this is a this is a project player. This is Tyler Smith, offensive tackle out of Tulsa, six foot five, three hundred twenty four pounds, thirty four inch arms. He's a big, nasty, athletic offensive lineman who needs a lot of technical work. A lot, a lot, a lot of technical work. Like he can't start year one. I don't think he can start, at least not right away. Um, even though I do view him as a second rounder, he really mauls guys and dominates them. And he has the athleticism and the strength to go together. Like his athleticism is really good and he could just hang with anyone athleticism. And it's, he has power in his hands to have those nasty punches. And he has that ability to drive through the hips, sink those hips and drive through guys in a good base most of the time, you know, and he has like above average balance. I think his pad level rises too much. And in the pass pro, like his foot speed is good, but they click too much in pass pro, like really, really bad. He doesn't stay square at all and gives up the edge routinely, which is going to, which leads to really, really bad holding calls, really bad holding calls. Like he much had 13 worse. penalties this past season. Like if you think Penning is bad, like Tyler Smith is on crack when it's, uh, you know, penalty wise. 
Uh, you know, and they're just, and there's times where it's, it almost like he should get like twice that much, but like the referee is like, we can't just keep calling holding penalties on this guy. They're really bad. Um, his hands come both wide. Like when I say wide, you know, like we'll talk about cross, like they come a little wide, you know, they're at the top and a little high on the shoulder pads. With Tyler Smith, it's not wide. Like he's almost hugging guys. They're so freaking wide. Yeah, usually you usually ask offensive linemen to grab the the breastplate and the, uh, you know, the numbers on the front of the jersey. He's grabbing. Uh, I mean, it's like he's clapping from behind his back. Like he's grabbing you know, the number on the back of the jersey. And it's late, and it gives him just real issues. But once he's locked on, he dominates the rep. He's he dominates the rep like nobody. Like he he has the he has the ability to be the third best tackle in this class. Um. You know, with like his hand strength and torque ability is A plus. His run punch is nasty and consistent, but it's nasty. And I actually think his feet are pretty good in the run game. Like he keeps them driving. Like he's, and he sinks his hip and just drives through D lineman and just totally resets the edge. Um, like he just, he just plays with a nastiness and an edge to him. Um, but he needs a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Tyler Smith does. Like he's a player that's fun. You fall in love with, but he's not good. Like he's not good right now. Um, and again, you need to work, like, see what his mindset is and see how willing he is to work. Um, because he has all the ability in the world. He has all the ability in the world, but he's not a good football player right now. Uh, if you like Akemu Kwano, I feel like you also like Tyler Smith. Yeah. Oh, I like Tyler Smith. You know, I'm putting him fifth over someone who, you know, guys who I think would be better right away, um, for a reason. Um, but he needs a like he needs a like he needs to just totally rework his technique. Like it needs so much growth. And again, All right, Bobby. Like, if his technique was average, he'd be a first round player. If All it right, was Bobby. just average, he'd be a first round player. All right, Bobby. So Akamakwano, Evan Neal were taken in the top four. You didn't take Charles Cross with five or seven. Uh, so Tyler Smith, are are you are you going with him at thirty six? Because then what else? What the hell are we doing at tackle? I would consider it. I think he'd be the only guy I'd consider at 36. And I agree, because I feel like after these first four guys that we're talking about, maybe besides Falele, but there's a question about his weight. Besides those five guys, um, I don't know if I would want or consider anybody else, you know, uh, to be a realistic option to start at right tackle. Not drafting, but, you know, just a realistic option to be the future right tackle. Yeah, I, I I'm in full agreement with you. I'm in full agreement with you. Falele is is a more is a more difficult conversation we're going to talk about next. Um, but yeah, I fully agree with you. And the thing about Tyler Smith is, I feel like you would have to take him at 36 if you don't go tackle five or seven. That's even oh yeah, if he's, he's not there. lasting to the third. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You would have to take him at 36, and then you're passing on other players that you probably really like at 36 too. Um, do do you, Tyler Smith would he be worth it? At 36. Like, is he is he among those players where, regardless of whether we take tackle... At, regardless of whether we take tackle at 5 and 7, is he one of those players that's in the, um, you know, mix at 36 with, like, EBKD, Christian Watson, um, secondary player, et cetera, et cetera, Arnold EBKD? I, I think it's risky, but I okay. would be, I'd be willing. Let's talk about him moving the guard, because a lot of people say he's going to move the guard. I think it gets less risky if you draft him as an interior guy. Here's the thing is it's not a lot of times when it's moving a tackle to guards, like he just doesn't have the athleticism to hang with NFL pass rushers with Smith it's his technique needs total work. So if that issues don't go away at guard for, for Tyler Smith, he's also you know? 21. So you can look at that as a pro for moving interior or pro for staying at tackle. He is, he just turned 21. He's one of the youngest players in the draft. So, 
Yeah, I just want to see him play tackle because he has all that ability to be a good tackle. You know, this isn't, again, this isn't the guy who's just not athletic enough to play tackle in the NFL um, and tackle such a top heavy in the draft position when you look at the good ones in the NFL. Um, it's his technique needs a ton of work. So you put him in that guard and his technique is still going to need total work. But he can win in a phone booth. I mean, that is so here. You like that phrase? I learned what that phrase was this draft season. You know, if you can win in a phone booth and you can win in that tight space, I feel like your technique is going to need way. Like his technique, you, you literally said he's not good right now. Those were the words that you said. If you want Tyler Smith to be a better football player right now and he can win in that phone booth and he is so strong and he can win in those tight spaces, then the work that he's going to need to do at guard is going to be a lot less than the work that he needs to do at tackle. Yeah, which is why I think 36 is an option because worst case scenario, you put him at guard. And I think, like, I, I love Tyler Smith. I really do. But yeah. as, he needs a ton of work. Yeah. All right, next on this list. Um we're going to do Daniel Falele, offensive tackle out of Minnesota. I think this guy has gotten more slander than he deserves, but he's six foot eight. You heard that right. And here's, here's the real part 384 pounds with 35 inch arms. Former rugby player who's new to the game. Justin, his frame and his long arms are just imposing as a player. Uh, with his frame, I think his athleticism is fine, but it's not good athleticism. But he's got natural strength. He's not just a big body. He has natural strength, and it shows up every single down. In the past, as a pass blocker, Justin, you can't put him in a vertical set. One, Bobby Johnson doesn't like to do vertical sets, and at right tackle, you would be asked to do that a lot less. So you put him in those 45-degree sets, he does a lot better. Um, his feet can click a little bit, but I think that's going to get better. Again, he's new to the game. Like, his footwork isn't, like, totally destroyed like Tyler Smith. Like, no, it's like you see the room for the growth there. Um, and I think overall, like, his footwork is fine. With those long arms, he has a patient punch that lands well, and his hand fight is great. Like, his hand fight, like, is is advanced. Which Snatch, really... trap, and sit. Yeah. Like that snatch and trap. And what I like is like sometimes with the big guys, they're not nasty. Like when I look at some, when you pancake a guy, lay down on top of him, get on top of him. And he does that. Like, and that's something I like on him. But again, once his hands are on guys, he knocks, he, he's, he, they're locked on. Like he's won the rep. And in the run game, he just naturally moves guys with a strength and athleticism. He does have some false steps again, which can be fixed and an in, in inconsistent get off. Um, and his punch will come in too wide and allow guys to his chest. But if, if the defender doesn't win, just initial win, like he finishes and torques well. Um, you know, even like working to like linebackers, he works well. If he wasn't 384 pounds and I wasn't so deathly afraid that he's not going to last physically in the NFL health wise, I think he would be, uh, and play at 36. But that weight scares me. It's like, can you, I don't know if you're going to be able to stay healthy. You know, and it sucks yeah. to knock a guy. And we get, we don't know medical stuff like that, but it's just using common sense that that's a struggle. Um, and again, you're not, you're not going to put him in vertical sets. He's not going to look at good at one on one reps at the senior bowl, but he is, I think, a solid player. And the thing is, is that Bobby, you, you know, we saw him at the senior bowl. He didn't look 384 pounds. He looked, no, he carries it well. He's not <laughs> like, you know, he's not a, he's not, a, you know, a tub of lard. So, so like, how much weight can he cut down? Cause I do. <laughs> I do think I don't know if he can any. No. That's exactly that's exactly it. It's like, well, you, you, okay, you want to ask this guy to lose 15, 20 pounds. Not like Beckton, where you could ask him to lose weight. I don't know Correct. if Raymond could lose weight. Correct. So, so maybe that's where it's different. That you know, hey, because he wears it better, and uh, you know, he he doesn't look that big. Hey, maybe that's better. I, I don't know. I actually felt kind of kind of dumb when I said that about Beckton. I was like, 
I just think he's too big. Uh, like, can he can he keep the weight off? Can he, uh, you know, can, is he going to be able to stay healthy? I, I said that and I felt kind of dumb, but it was actually, you know, one of my one of my better draft takes. So um, it's 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 there about Falele. And the thing about this time of the year, Bobby, this is just me using my common sense. You know, this time of the year and this time of these young men's life, they're in the best shape of their life, hopefully. They're in the best shape of their life. They're lean. You know, they're they're going to look good. I, if they need to increase their weight, they're going to be heavy. If they need to lose some weight, they're going to be light. So they're at the best shape of their life. And then after Falele gets drafted, are you going to be able to stay where you are? You know, <laughs> are you going to gain 10 pounds? So uh, that's the fear about him. But I really do, I really do like him, Bobby. I, I, I really do. I, he has I almost, good film. Yeah, it's I was a lot more happy with him versus you know watching that film breakdown that you did versus when I left the Senior Bowl because like you said he was asked to do some things at the Senior Bowl that probably he won't be asked to do at the NFL level depending on what team he goes to you know NFL teams do have the tendency to use guys you know kind of kind of in an incorrect wrong way he just started playing the game in 2016 at IMG Academy and he opted out of the 2020 season so that's an entire year that he basically lost. I hope Daniel Falele gets at a point in his NFL career that, number one, that he's healthy, and then, number two, he can kind of just let go and play. Because I do think that he's kind of a technical player. At 384 pounds, he's kind of a finesse player, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. You would think that guy would be an earth mover. Um, and he is a mover because of how big it is, big he is. I don't know if he's an outwardly aggressive player, but if he can just let go and play... And that's going to come with reps. It's going to come with playing in a game. It's going to come with more experience. I think he can be a really good pro, but it's just, can you stay healthy and can you develop into that? Yeah. If he, if, if he, if you promised me he'd be healthy, I'd be like, I would be, I'd be a lot less anxious about pick yeah. five and seven. Cause like, it's like, I would be fine with Philele at 36, even though I think he can slip into the first round. Cause I think for all those reasons, some, some team's going to overlook it and be like, he's new. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body. Um, even though I did play rugby, so maybe that adds some wear and tear. But um, what are you playing in high school? I don't know. It's, I, it is in his bio. They played fucking. Rugby. Yeah, I I had a feeling I was either high, like he showed up to IMG Academy. So I, I this is actually interesting. You know, if the Giants draft him, we'll look into more of his backstory. So was he playing rugby before he came to IMG Academy? So I I don't know how much of a talking point that is. Well, he's from Australia, right? Well, well, there you go. Well, then he played rugby there and then came to IMG Academy, played football, started that in 2016. All right, last guy we're going to hit on. Actually, read it out, Justin, and then oh. read it the last guy. All right. So, we got to talk about Roman. And, you know, we've talked so much about Roman, by the way, about, you know, being, you know, being all about ED, erectile dysfunction. But Roman is all about also weight management, sexual health, hair and body there's so much stuff that roman does to help out men like you me and bobby and if you're a nice lady listening it's gonna help out your man if you got a man in your life so bobby um i heard from a little bird that roman will help you last in the bedroom um as long as our draft stream is going to be do you know how long our draft stream is going to be 20 hours so, uh, yeah close to 20 hours and i it's it's a rumor that Roman can help you with the ED department and also the PE department. No, not physical education, not performance enhancers, but premature. Premature. What do you think about that? I think if that's an issue for you, you should take it. 
And if you want to last as long as our draft stream does, you got to use those Roman swipes. They're clinically proven to help you last longer in bed. There's no prescription needed. PE treatments are safe, effective, and used by millions of men. There's free two-day shipping. Roman has a nice little discreet policy, too. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to GetRoman.com slash world. Talk of Giants versus the world. Today, if approved, you'll get $10 off your first order. That's GetRoman.com slash world. Use those Roman swipes to last as long as our draft stream. Summer, Summer sang. Thank you, Getro Man. Thank you. Getro Man, away! Last guy we're going to talk about. Bernard Raymond, offensive tackle out of Central Michigan. Six foot seven, 305 pounds. Talk about new to the game. He only played two years at offensive tackle. He moved from tight end, added all that weight. Now he's an offensive tackle. Like You, you look like he was a tight end at Central Michigan. Tough player to evaluate. Like, here's one thing. One, he's new to the position, so he's raw. But he worked in a one-step and three-step drop offense, so he just kind of lacks experience, like, you know, like protecting the edge a ton. Um, but he's an overall uh, good athlete with natural strength that does show up. Uh, but he he's a raw player, Justin, that just needs – he needs serious technical work. But if there's one guy who's like, you need serious technical work, it's like, okay, well, he's brand new to the position, so you can work with it. But I'm not a huge fan. Like, he plays the high lip, a pad level, and he bends at the hips. Um, <clears throat> like, his feet are very quick, but they, they do need work. And again, he has no vertical set experience. And, it, that, and that's going to lead to really early issues with speed edges in the NFL. Um, and then when he's playing those 45 sets, he just doesn't get to his landmarks in time. You know, and like the feet click, but he does, he does, once he does, like, he does a good job mirroring versus speed. You know, once he's, once he's there, he does a good, uh, mirroring job for his speed but his punches are more hooking up than they rather than rather than a punch and again once he's he's locked on guys he mirrors well can lead us leave his chest exposed and be a victim to bull rush but he, he in the run game he just has a natural ability to move guys uh, like he doesn't lean at all but he does have a bad first step which leads to catching and high pad level but he works the second le- he works the second level well so there's room for improvement but i'm just not the biggest bernard raymond fan justin yeah, me neither. Um, I think speed to power is going to give him a lot of trouble. Where yeah, he'll compete with the speed right away, but then those power moves and when they, you know, when he get to his chest, that's going to give him issues. I mean, the the thing that you're going to bank on if you're an NFL team is, uh, hey, you can uh, you can add weight. You know, you can you can get stronger, and certainly, uh, you know, Raymond has that frame right now. Do you think that he can get stronger? So you're you're basically gonna invest in that. You know, he has the technical aspect of his game. Um, it's surprising to see how far along he is technically, knowing that he is so new to the game. You know, his first full year of starting was this year in 2021. Um, you know, and I think you said after the 2019 season, he converted to to tight end. So he's a good athlete, really good athlete, um, really good technical player. Has some moments uh, physically where he can get outworked, but you know, like I said, if you're an NFL team, you're banking that that can come. Yeah, he, you you don't come in to start him right away. Like he's going to need to sit and work on his craft, yep. and I think that will will benefit him a ton. But he does need a ton of work. Like I'm not taking him in the in the second round. Like he to me, he's a third round player. All right, so Bobby, here here's my question to you because. The Giants need to walk away with the right tackle in this in this draft, right? And a right tackle that, if you draft him, he kind of has to start day one, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And if you're not going cross at five or seven, then what are you doing? What's, you, what's your blueprint? If they stick at five and seven, and Neil Naquan... To me, the 
Blueprint is praying that Aquano or Neil fall. And I think one will. <laughs> I really do think one will. Yeah, I, I agree with because you. Because I'm not but... going to take a guy who I don't think is a top 10 player in a draft that has a weak top 10 overall yeah. just because I need a right tackle. I'm sorry. Like, that's that's how you end up with guys like Eric Flowers. And again, I don't think – I'm not comparing Cross to Eric Flowers. But that's how you do that. Um, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. We all talk about best player available until it times comes time to take best player available in a tough decision. I'm nervous. I am too. I'm, I'm anxious nervous. as hell. Like I like so we you know Trayvon Walker. I'm not very high on Trayvon Walker. If the Giants take Trayvon Walker, I will understand it. Okay, and it'll be like okay, he's got to grow into this. He needs to learn. He's got a lot to learn. He needs a lot of room for improvement. But you see the ability. I just don't see it with Cross. Okay, maybe I'll look stupid, come back and look stupid, and you know, three, two years from now, I'll say I don't like whatever T three is in the class, and people are like you didn't like Charles Cross, you know. But I just don't see it with Cross as a top ten player. I, th- I don't think he's ever going to be a great player, and I think guys taking the top ten should have the ability to be a great player. You haven't been really very wrong yet on a lot of your guard tackle takes, especially the top guys that you watch. So, um, you know, my my thing is is that hey, I'm gonna. I'm just going to bet that this guy can make if he's drafted by the Giants I can I'm going to bet that this guy is going to make a Tristan Wirfs kind of transformation. That that's it cuz you know he had questions but Wirfs and Wirfs didn't have much of a transformation. It was that Wirfs didn't have vertical set experience. You know, it was just Wirfs didn't have a ton of like things that he had done, but it was it was because of the offense he played in, you know. Well, we're going to talk more about it Wednesday on our live Live on YouTube, podcast apps will get it at around 8 p.m. on Wednesday, but our live annual mock draft episode, 6 p.m. on Wednesday on YouTube. Draft day and mock draft, my favorite episode of the year. All of this work builds into that one episode, so I'm very excited for that. So, um, Again, stick with us for the whole draft. Stay in our stream. We're going to have the best stream, Giants-related-wise, um, so watch ours, enjoy it with us. We'll have the most fun and be the best. I really do believe that, so... We appreciate you guys. Enjoy draft week. We'll see you back here for our draft day mock draft episode. We appreciate you guys. See you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcast. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening.